442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at football's greatest magazine. I'm joined today by Deputy Editor Trevor hey. Chahal. <laughs> so you know I looked at him and then went straight <laughs> to Trevor. That's another snob. And uh, publisher Andy Jackson. You can tell he's leaving soon. Oh, yeah, he just exactly. doesn't care anymore. Hello. <laughs> oh, Andy, you'll always be tops in our book. Um, thanks for joining us today. We've got lots to get through. Um, there was some interesting football over the weekend and midweek. First up, we're going to have a look at the UEFA Champions League semi-final time. And the first game was Inter Milan against Barcelona. And uh, Inter came out 3-1 winners, boys. A, a bit of a, a shock. Certainly, the, the scoreline was a shock. I know, I, you know, Inter have been playing well. Um, Mourinho's got them well drilled. They're pretty tight defensively. Um, probably the biggest shock was the fact that they scored three goals. But, um, but I mean, tactically, Mourinho almost sort of did to Barcelona what Barcelona tend to do to other teams in that after the first sort of 20 minutes, he obviously got in, instructions out to them to press them as high up the pitch as they could. And as a result, that stifled a lot of the possession that they normally get in that midfield area, which allows them to work the ball out to Messi. And as a result, Messi didn't didn't have a particularly great game. You know, he obviously set the bar very high, but he yeah, didn't have a bad game. But a lot of the possession that he normally gets, he was being starved of because Inter were, you know, pressing two and three men on the back four and not giving them time to play the ball out. Mm. Trev, if anyone's going to come up with a master plan to uh, stop leaning on Messi, it's going to be uh, Jose Mourinho, isn't it? Well, that's what we were billing it as a few weeks ago, isn't it? Mourinho versus Messi. Could he stop him and um, get the tactics right? He certainly did. Um, in terms of what it's going to be like in the second leg, um, Barcelona have got you know the ability to score 3-4 at home, but you just think that Mourinho might just get them well organised enough, pull off enough a tactical masterpiece and knock them out. Because I couldn't see anyone but Barcelona winning this tournament. But mm. You know, in the in the box seat now, as they say. Even though European airspace will probably open by the uh, second leg, I reckon Mourinho will insist that they travel by bus because he can then park it in front of the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, interesting silence that was Balotelli, another just explosion from Balotelli after Nuts the game. Hard, when obviously, yeah, he's he recently picked wearing a Milan shirt, AC Milan shirt, obviously, and. Uh, so when he came on, he got a fair amount of stick. Given that he's the only Italian that, that was in the squad, that mm. was in the lineup that played in that game um, for Milan, when he came on, he got a load of booing and he had a shot from about 35 yards and got a load of booing on that. And at the end of the game, he, just, he then proceeded to uh, flip the bird at the fans, take his shirt off and throw it down in the centre circle, mm. which then uh, was uh, responded to by Matarazzi, who had a right go at him in the tunnel and... The guy's just got a death wish, it seems. Yeah. He's certainly not endearing himself to the fans there. He's almost was billed as the problem that Mourinho couldn't solve. You know, he could do everything, but he can't sort this guy. And I'm surprised he's still getting game time. He's obviously got a lot of ability, but just thought he's the type of player Mourinho would just give him the flick. Yeah, talking about another player in the news and in a little bit of trouble this week. Uh, in the second game, Bayern Munich against Lyon. Bayern coming out 1-0 winners, but it was all about Frank Ribéry who's in the news for other reasons, but he got sent off and will now miss the second leg and the final if Bayern progress. It's, uh, Might be missing a lot more than that if he gets sent down as well. But, yeah. Three years, I reckon it could be yeah. up to. For... Uh, which was uh, alleged uh, indiscretion with a, uh, 
an underage prostitute. Wasn't well, she, it? Yeah, she was seventeen. The laws in, in France are eighteen and above. So you seem yeah. to know that quite. Uh, you knew that quite well. <laughs> yeah. didn't you? You've got you didn't to, to check look, these things when you go overseas. There, did the you? French <laughs> are very <laughs> precise on who you can and can't pay for sex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but back to the football. Um, pretty good win for for Bayern. They they looked in control for for big periods, but. Uh, the talking point was Ribery getting sent off. It was a pretty uh, bad challenge, and the referee seemed to see it straight away, didn't he, when he went for the red? Yeah, I mean, Bayern would probably be kicking themselves a little bit that they didn't get a, a bigger cushion to take, which they probably deserved. So, I mean, that that is still definitely in the balance because Leon at home will fancy themselves to go at them, and if they can go and get an early goal, and that could, could be on. I mean, both ties really are, are nicely poised because Barcelona, as we saw with Arsenal, can quite comfortably go and score three and four at home against the best sides in the world. Um, and Leon are very strong at home. So um, I think they're two great ties. Do you see it? anyone but Bayern winning that one, Trev? Yeah, I think anyone so. as in Leon, because it's not everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leon has certainly been the other team. I think it's poised quite well. Leon have, have proven themselves throughout the tournament that they are good enough to take on teams like this. And it's interesting if, if a French team makes the final after, you know, French domestic football's been so poor for so mm. long and their national team isn't much to talk about at the moment yet you know they could have a French finalist very true having a look back uh, further on to the weekend there was a fantastic uh, round of games in the Premier League come on how long is it going to take and uh, probably the best how long is it going to take probably the best game of, uh, of all was You're gonna uh, say Liverpool uh, Fulham Wolves yeah. <laughs> 0-0 stunning game uh, but no, where, where to start, really? Uh, Manchester United against Man City was the, the earliest game. 93rd minute winner from Paul Scholes and uh, really throwing everything back up in the air, wasn't it, that result? Yeah, no, I mean, if Man City must be kicking themselves, you know, like t- second time they've thrown it away and they, they only really had themselves to blame and they didn't, I don't know, I, was, I watched that game and I, was, I thought Man City are going to really have a go at this. And, you know, they've been playing with three and four up front he played, picked an attacking lineup, but then he was almost like he told them not to attack. You know, so whether the occasion got to them, I don't know. But you know, Paul Scholes, it's a quality finish at that time. Mm. Um, but obviously, they can't. Let's talk about Spurs. Come on, mate. I just uh, sound that City. That's the third injury time winner Man U have had over City this season. Yeah. Did it in the earlier game, did it in the League yeah. Cup as well. Absolutely. So now why don't you talk about Spurs? Because, you know, I could talk about Well, you know that the world has gone absolutely barking mad when people are talking about Michael Dawson seriously making a World Cup squad. That's how ridiculous this season has <laughs> but gone. But Upson is terrible. <laughs> who would go in front of him for a start? Who would I you don't pick? know, anyone. You. Sol, <laughs> Sol Campbell. Just re-watch, just re-watch the opening goal from the uh, FA Cup semi-final and say you'd want he that. He slipped. Very slowly, slowest slip in Anyway, the performance of Tottenham against Chelsea came out of nowhere, really. I don't think we expected uh, Tottenham to dominate Chelsea like that. And uh, nice to see John Terry get sent off. Yeah, always a bonus. Yeah, Um, makes you don't. It's just as well, like like John Terry's. Like, I mean, I just, yeah. I've never liked him, and I'll struggle to like him. You know, did you see when he was caught when he gave away the penalty? The ref go penalty. He's talking to him by his first name. Like John it's Terry, going, Phil, Phil. Yeah, it's like, it's like, mate. That's, that's what Fashioner used to do. He used to find out about like the rest family and stuff. Like, you know, how's little Lily doing at school and stuff? Get him on side. It's just a little trick, isn't it? Yeah. Is that one you use on uh, Sunday afternoons or something? Uh, no, no. It's harder to research the the referees at the stand, and I might play it. Yeah, but I mean, joking aside, it, you know, it is a concern for England going into the World Cup. You know, Ferdinand has missed big chunks of the season through injury. 
where's John Terry's head at? You know, it, it started off when all this stuff came out. He went and scored the winner against Burnley, and it was like, you know, brave John Terry, he's mm. going to sort of take it all in his stride. But, you know, since that point, his performances have been getting steadily worse, whether it's connected or not. So, you know, it is opening the door for the likes of Dawson. But you're still <laughs> not good. talking about Tottenham. They play very well. They play very well. They've always been able to play well in sort of short bursts. And that was the thing is, could they back up from the game against Arsenal, yeah. against Chelsea? And they did. And they, they could have had four or five quite comfortably. You know, so now the question is, can they go and win at Old Trafford? Yeah. Trevor's a West Ham fan. Good to see Tottenham playing well again. It is, yes. Yeah, always good to see a fellow London team. You like Harry, well. though, don't you? I do like Harry. We're having this discussion. I, I, oh, we're shaking the head, so it's, I can tell Andy's going to come back with something good. But <laughs> I think Harry's a fantastic manager. The stuff he's done, I know you're going to talk about the sort of debt he left clubs in, but you know, he, he's spending the money that's being given to him. And he has done a great job. You know, he took a rubbish West Ham team up to fifth. We built them up to a decent team, Seven got them broke. to fifth. Yeah, but we were going to do that anyway. Look at the figures that Portsmouth have just come out with. But yeah, he's but not an accountant, is, is he? Of course he's not is, got the he's money. putting the club on the pressure to, to increase wage that's bills and all sign managers players do, though, and it? payments to agents. You know, Portsmouth had about £9 million in agents' fees. But isn't that the... Isn't that the for the chairman and the people running the club who are doing that it's not like saying Bournemouth West Ham Portsmouth Southampton there's one person in common wasn't the same board members I've uh, I've said this before if you know if Harry wasn't such a rogue if he wasn't such a cockney with a melting face then he probably would have got a a chance at England job but we gave you a chance at the magazine well, yeah. <laughs> Is that the melting face thing or the Cockney thing? A bit of both. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm going to give Steve McLaren the job. I know that went terribly wrong. That's not a yeah. good example. But I think Harry should be given a chance before, maybe after Fabio. And before we run out of time, the, the, the other big game on the weekend was Wigan-Arsenal, which kind of put paid to Arsenal's chances of um, uh, winning the Premier League title. Uh, what happened there? Three goals in the, uh, at the end and a couple of goals at the death? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of all the things that people leveled, used to level against Arsenal. Bit of a soft underbelly, you know, getting to... They, they'd gone quite a way towards sort of dispelling over the last few weeks, just came back in one game to Horner. I mean, their, their goalkeeping woes, you know. And again, it's just another area of the team that Wenger is fully aware of but hasn't done anything about. You know, he was fully aware of the extent of Van Persie's injury, but chose not to buy anyone in January. He's been fully aware of their shortcomings as a goalkeeper, but hasn't gone and and replaced them. You know, you look at someone like Mark Schwarzer, you know, left Middlesbrough and went to Fulham, would have been a fantastic buy Mm. for someone like Arsenal. You know, he's quality, big keeper, commands his back four, and he's he's not gone and replaced them. So really, he's only got himself to blame. The final thing I wanted to say, I stayed up to watch the Birmingham Hull game live on Saturday. That's so exciting. Birmingham Hull. Birmingham Hull. It's probably the first time I've wow. done that. And I was going to ask Andy how Hull played this morning because Dowie sent them out in this 4-5-1, really defensive and just clung on for a point when they've got to start winning games. And I heard that they started fairly defensive against yeah, Villa as well. Yeah, they tried to do that again. He had Altidore on the bench, hessling up front pretty much on his own. Got to start winning games. They were poor. Yeah, they were really poor. I mean, we did our best. They, they dragged us down to their level quite comfortably for large parts of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first goal, when you see the first goal this morning, it was a catalogue of errors from, them, from their defence. Three errors in about 20 seconds. The last one was McShane, who had an absolute nightmare. 
just tried to clear it, hit the back of Carew, and it just fell into Agbonlaw's path with <laughs> no one goal. behind him. Uh, it was still a good finish because Agbonlaw, as always, took about three touches to get it under control, which allowed them to get back on the line. But yeah, I, I think Holland are gone. Mm. You know, they're just playing like a team that's already relegated. Fair mm. enough. It looks like uh, Burnley and Portsmouth will be with them. So... Um, that's all the time we've got for in this section of the 442 Insider Podcast. But join us after the break as we'll be looking at all the news from our website, au.442.com. Love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch? Well, listen up, because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sports got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. Now we're going to look at some of the news from our website, au.442.com. And the first story up this week is uh, an announcement by the FFA that they um, are confirming that dual marquees will be coming into place from next season allowing clubs to have both an Australian and an international marquee. Trev, it looks like they're hoping to try and pull back some Socceroos or some uh, players, Australian players playing overseas back to the A-League. Mm. Uh, do you think it's going to work, though? I think it's a great idea. You know, I'm, I'm welcoming a bit of a plutocracy in the A-League. And, um, bit of what? Plutocracy. What's that mean? It means, uh, you know, governed by the wealthy. Ooh. It means, you know... Society dictating to the wealthy a little bit more because I like it. <laughs> this well, segment I've, is brought to you by yeah. Collins Dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the reason is I, I know everyone likes the, the level playing field and what have you. And if they're worried about attendance is going down, if the teams get good players in, as Robbie Fowler showed this season, when they go away, they'll fill the smaller teams' stadiums with the players that are coming to town. I don't mind there being, you know, some. You know, a few teams cutting away and being the bigger sides because I think at least then you, there's more balance to the league and when the bigger sides are coming to away stadiums you know say Fury for example then I think the Fury people are interested in watching what the other team are bringing as well everyone's so obsessed with you know keeping it even and everyone beating everyone else and anyone winning the league I'm not really interested in that I just want to see the best players in the league and if mm. that means that some teams pull away then that's not a problem to me at all and I think it's designed to get you know like Chipperfield extended his contract for one more year in Switzerland which is no surprise because he's got a Swiss wife and he's settled there and what have you but the idea is to get those Socceroos back for their final year probably rather than them spending one last year in Europe they're probably Hopefully, he might spend one last year in the A League. So, yeah, I'm for it. I thought you said it's no surprise because he's got a Swiss watch. He's <laughs> got one of those yeah, as well. He's probably got a Swatch, yeah. you know, one of those ones that pop out. Um, what do you think, Andy? Do you think um, teams are actually going to be taken up on well, this? Yeah, the I mean, marquee's it, been going for a while. In principle, it's, it's a good move. In practice, I would be surprised if more than one team even took advantage of this next year. I reckon. I mean, teams are struggling to have one marquee. We've, we've spent the season going, where are the marquee players? Mm. You know, and now we've got two. That's great. But and I, and <laughs> I totally agree with your point about, you know, football isn't fair, you know. 
bigger clubs dominate doesn't matter what league you look at I'm, I'm you know, more than happy for that to, to happen here but my concern is that when clubs you know, all clubs are losing money bar maybe Melbourne but they're certainly not awash with cash they've got their own issues with crowds as the ACL has shown um, is it, it does present the temptation to gamble a little bit and go hell for leather and go alright we'll go for two marquees mm. but then if the crowds don't come then all of a sudden clubs might be in a bigger hole um, you know, and, and you know, Fury is a great example. You know, what, if this would have been in place last season, and Fury went right, we're gonna we're gonna bring Robbie Fowler and a current Socceroo back to try and get to twelve thousand average crowds, and they get eight. You know, then the, there's very little return for that club. You know, so that that's my concern. I, you know, it, it's definitely a, a, a good concept, whether in practice it's the right time to do it, whether clubs are, are able to take advantage of it yet. You know, I mean, even Sydney FC, I, I thought I saw a quote from the CEO, Edwin Lung, said, we welcome it, but we won't be taking advantage of it next season because the budget's already set. Yeah. yeah. You know? One interesting thing, I did see that, that what else the, the FFA confirmed is the opportunity for A-League teams to sign a guest player falling outside the 23-man roster with an allowance for them to play a maximum of 10 matches, which would now include the final series, yeah. as long as they've played four games uh, previously. So, you know, that, that might be a kind of compromise that some teams might take if they, need, they feel like they need a push uh, at the end to get them to the finals and maybe into the finals. That might be something that teams would take advantage of. We'll yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm less a fan of the guest player thing. I just think it's... I think it's a bit of a gimmick, you know, either sign someone or, or not, you know. Yeah. Um, just going back to this Australian marquee thing, we talked about it months ago, didn't we? Because when we did the Gold Coast stuff, they told us that Clive Palmer was sort of lobbying for this sort of idea to bring Australian players back. So it's exactly what they were saying, you know, they wanted to do. And obviously it makes sense for him, doesn't it? Because they've got cleaner yeah. and now they can but go that, out and get a good that's what he was saying before they kicked the ball. I mean, is he saying that now, you know, he's, when he's you know, doing everything he can to get out of it? Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think where it is good is that the clubs that have got the money um, is we've seen some pretty questionable marquee players, Australian marquee players. With you know Craig Moore being one, Jade North was originally Jade North was originally Fury's marquee player, and that was just to be able to compete with the money on offer from Asia. So from that perspective, I like it because it does give them a chance to to pay good money to, a, to an Australian player and still go and get a marquee. My question mark is whether any of the clubs are on a sure enough footing to go and take advantage of it. Mm. Another piece of positive news coming out of the A-League is that um, Wellington Phoenix uh, will be playing A-League football until at least the end of the 2015-16 season after the Asian and Oceania confederations hammered out a deal. Quite um, right too. Yeah, great news really, isn't it, Trev, to see that... Great um, news for Jacko's team, yeah. Um, yeah, look, if one team deserved it after this year, it was probably Wellington, but I suppose it'd be interesting to see how those attendances go after the World Cup and they just plummet when there's not a bit of all-whites excitement around. Yeah, and you can imagine that there was a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes to try and thrash something out. I know that the uh, uh, Asian Confederation weren't particularly happy about an Oceania team uh, taking part in, 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 a, in a league that's part of Asia and possibility of them playing in future tournaments where they're not technically allowed to. But I think, you know, common sense has prevailed, hasn't it? Yeah, and also, I, you know, I guess the decision has come at the right time for New Zealand football on two fronts. One was obviously from an FFA perspective, the success of Wellington 
um, has obviously meant that the FFA were firmly in their corner. You know, the crowds that the FFA has got, you know, the, the, the finals crowds that have swelled the FFA coffers from Wellington, which obviously that it was, a, was an area of um, sort of uh, debate between Sarah Pesos and the FFA. But also, you know, at a global level, New Zealand are going to the World Cup. New Zealand football's never been higher profile. Mm. You know, the AFC, if the AFC aren't going to, you know, if Oceania and Asia don't move, don't merge, sorry, then the likelihood is, is that New Zealand will probably qualify for, for, you know, the playoffs on a consistent basis like Australia did. So, you know, they, they will have a shot at qualifying for World Cup every four years. So yeah. I think, you know, the... the the sort of world collided at the right time for Phoenix, and it's great that they've been uh, they've been allowed to be uh, to continue to be part of it. It's probably worth clarifying. I did say that um, you know playing in a tournament that they're not technically allowed to. That a club spokesman for the Phoenix did say, as the deal stands, this is for the A League only. Yeah. Uh, however, it is important step towards sorting out the ACL issue. So I think they'll be working on that as well, um, if the if that possibility ever arises. Uh, moving on. Uh, Frank Reichard remains the front-runner for the Socceroo coaching job, but there's been an experienced Italian coach also in the frame, having sent in his CV to the offices of the FFA. Do, do you think he physically wrote a cover letter and put his CV in? It's always strange when you think Who would that. you address it to? You know, I think it's via Seek. He's on Seek. Yeah. The job. There you go. <laughs> That's how hard um, it is to apply. Nevio Scala. Tell me about him, Trev. You're, uh, you seem to be uh, knowledgeable about uh, yeah. Mr. Scala. Oh, look, it's absolute nonsense. He's going to get the Socceroos job. He's sent in his CV. Well done. Anyone can send their CV in. He, he done well with Palmer in the um, early 90s, got them promoted and, and into Europe. But he's got no international experience, no Asian experience, hasn't managed in six years. He's just a pundit on an Italian radio station. But he's unsuccessfully applied to coach Scotland three times. But really? that, that's about as big a brag as it gets in recent times. Yeah, as I say, he's just a pundit on Italian radio. He's sent in his CV. It will be the last we hear of it. Wow. So he's probably get the job then. <laughs> I will streak at the first Socceroos game if he um, gets the job. There's no way I'll get it. In the first, what, at the World Cup? <laughs> well, no, his first game. Oh, like, his first yeah, game. That's okay. how sure I am. Great. Nothing like a bit of stealth streaking, just announcing. I hope the FFA don't stitch me up now. Just yeah, to... <laughs> might have uh, Optus on your bum or something like that, <laughs> just advertising it. <laughs> Just don't bend over. It'd be obtuse or something like that. Obtuse. <laughs> 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 anyway, move, moving on. Uh, Robbie Fowler has, has been in the news over the last um, last couple of weeks, what with uh, all the stuff going on at uh, North Queensland Fury. But um, Perth Glory owner Tony Sage has come out and claimed that um, the club are leading the race to secure his signature. There's also been talk of him possibly being pursued by Sydney FC. Um, where do we see the truth? Uh, are, are Perth going to be in with the running or with the bright lights of Sydney lure, lure Robbie this way or will he stay at Fury? Um, I can't see him staying at Fury, to be honest. I think, I think if, if the FFA wanted him as the marquee, I think he would have been the first conversation they had because obviously then it's, uh, you know, they're, they're losing other players left, right and centre. And I think if, if he's the player you're going to build the squad around, then you go and sign him first and you say, right, Robbie Fowler's staying, who else is staying? You know, whereas they haven't done that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Perth have got a chance. You know, there's a big expat community there. We talked about it earlier. You know, it's also five hours closer to Europe for him, you know, for the family, which obviously we know is an issue. Mm. Um yeah, so I'd, I'd say that they've, they've got as much a chance. I, I sort of get the impression as well, I don't feel that Sydney FC are fully decided that they want him yet. 
Um, no. I, I think they would obviously be interested in someone like that. I think they that they understand the, you know, the the, the impact that he could have off the pitch. I, I'm yet to see Vitislav Levitska come out and say we want Robbie Fowler, um, which I think he got that squad playing in such a way that it was very much about the team rather than individuals. And I, I can imagine Sydney saying, right, it's your call. Do you want us to go after him or not? And I don't feel like they, that he's necessarily done that yet. Mm. Whereas Perth are going out and saying, we really want you to come here. Everyone wants you to come. Um, so I guess it's, you know, it, that, that will probably be the deciding factor, I would have thought. Perth have got one more visa spot left. They've already confirmed 22 of their 23 um, roster spots for next season but Fowler would be a good fit wouldn't he really the, you know the, the, the side signed a, few, a couple of high profile front men who didn't mm. really set any uh, anything alight but Fowler could come in and, and make a difference for for Mitch's team yeah he? maybe I mean, we were hoping it would be less of a graveyard than it was for Coyne, Burns and Szczyzhovski when they went there mm. um, in terms of you know, a move to Perth, yeah, as Andy says, it is close to the Europe, but, you know, still the most remote city in the world. And he's going to be spending a lot of time travelling around the country playing Perth away games, which I don't feel is going to be that appealing to him and his, or his family either. Um, I think Perth have spoken to him, but Sydney haven't yet. Isn't that right? Yeah. So yeah, Perth yeah. have put their case forward and then it's going to be Sydney's turn. So that's why Perth are making these noises about being front runners because, you know, they've chatted to him first and, and Sydney haven't. And, and I don't think Fowler's rushing the decision. He's going to take his time. Um, I still think that Sydney might be a more, a more likely location. I think it would make more sense. I mean, they're more desperate for, after losing the spine of their team, I think they need a bit more experience. He's proven to score goals in the A-League and I think he'll do well there. That's great stuff, lads. That's all we've got time for in this section of the news in the 442 Insider podcast. But join us after the break where we kick off our World Cup coverage by looking at uh, Group A. See you then. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. In an exclusive interview, Tim Cahill tells us he's 100% better than four years ago as he looks forward to taking his red-hot Premier League form into the World Cup. We assess Argentina's chances of success in South Africa and go one-on-one with the legendary striker Gabriel Batistuta, relive Blackburn's EPL title, hear from Samuel Eto'o and go behind the scenes at AC Milan's state-of-the-art medical facilities. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast, and we're excited, guys, because the World Cup officially kicks off here. Our World Cup Insider section. Come on. And, uh, 50 days and counting. Absolutely. And we're going to be having a look at the World Cup group by group, having a look at some of the teams, who we think is going to progress, and uh, games of the tournament, players of the tournament, and, and that like. So first up, Group A, which features France, South Africa, Mexico, and Uruguay. Lads, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the group of death and 10 being the group of you're taking the piss, this is supposed to be the World Cup... Where do you see uh, Group A sitting, Trev? Mm, about four or five. There's no exceptional team in there, I don't think, even though I'm aware France are there. But it's a, a relatively sort of level group in terms of who's hoping to, to go through. I mean, South Africa are probably the, the outsiders if you're lining up the four teams, but they've got home advantage. So, you know, they'll be looking, looking to push through. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult to know which way it's going to go. I, I think it's probably be France and, and one other of Mexico and Uruguay. Yeah. 
Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this, I think this could be one of the most exciting groups because you've got, you know, uh, four teams, all of which, you know, South Africa's hosts are going to have massive support. You know, it's going to be very emotional. You know, that that's as traditionally carried teams through. You know, they, they, mm. no host nations ever not got through the group stages. So, until, until this year. Um, and I think each team will go out for each game thinking they can win it. And sometimes when you get a, a group of death, the, the lesser team in that group go out for the first, certainly the first two games and try not to lose. Whereas I think these teams, you know, we could see some great games in this group because I think each, every team will go out thinking they can win each game. Um, I think it'd be tough. You know, France, you know, they're going to have their issues going through the, the whole Ribéry and, and Benzema and the, the whole prostitute issues. You know, will it be sorted by then? Will it still well, be? Whether they can over? get any over there or... <laughs> <laughs> You want me to do that over there too. Um, you know, so again, but as we saw with Italy four years ago, sometimes the whole sort of, you know, squad under siege or mm. can actually sort of galvanise the team. And if, if ever a team needed galvanising, it's France under Dominic because um, Harry's still in a job, I'm not sure. He seems to be the most, un- you know, universally unpopular national team manager ever to survive two tournaments. Mm. You know? What do we see as the game of the round? Which one are you most looking forward to seeing? I mean, personally, for me, I'd say I'm looking forward to, to the Mexico-Uruguay game because I see that one as really deciding the second spot. And, and Mexico were, you know, they're kind of very lucky to get in after the Sven kind of debacle. Yeah, I'm not, yeah I, think, I think you're probably right, though. Is that, and the game that I'm looking forward to most, just for sort of, you know, historical sense, is the opening game, yep. like South Africa against Mexico. Um, I think it'll be a fantastic sort of, you know, occasion um, and also I think South Africa will probably look at it and think you know this is the game that we could win you know against that the backdrop of the opening ceremony huge crowd soccer city 90,000 let's go for it and I think it could end up being a, a, a really open game hmm. Trev? I, th- I think perhaps France Mexico um, because I think it's got good shock potential if, if you think that the way that French team's playing it's going to be a shock if they lose but yeah Mexico are a good outside chance they'll keep it tight France certainly won't embarrass them and they could try and nick something there yeah. you think it'd be a shock? I don't think France losing to any of those sides would be maybe, a shock. maybe not one thing I was they looking- huffed and puffed past Ireland to get yeah, there you know yeah. it's like I don't think Mexico or Uruguay beating France would be that much of a shock. You look at the French team, you look at you know the front three of Henri, Ribéry and Anelka, and 12 months ago you would have gone, they're three really on-form players, you know, Ribéry being linked to £80 million move, Anelka was Premiership's top goal scorer, and Henri had done well at Barcelona, but they haven't had a great year. And in a French team that's on the decline, they needed to be on top form, really. Yeah, we're all familiar with the the French team, the three guys that you mentioned, and uh, other familiar names throughout the side, but... Are there any other players that you're looking forward to seeing uh, seeing play in the World Cup out of that group there, Andy? I mean, Diego Forlan, uh, we all know. Yeah, about. Forlan's obviously a, a, you know the, the the big hope for Uruguay in terms of the goals and the Mexican team, obviously Carlos Vela. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, you know, he's, he's he's not really broken through to command a regular place at Arsenal, but he, he, you know his appearances have, have tended to be linked to either substitute or in the Carlin Cup. Mm-hmm. But whenever I've seen him, he always looks you know. Quality, you know, and I think he's, I think he's only 21, 22. Yeah. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's leading the line for them. So it'd be interesting to see whether he could step up, because um, obviously, as Arsenal approved this season, they need, you know, they need someone up front, you know, Van Persie. You now maybe this is his chance to stake his claim for next season. Um, Mexico worry me at the back. Not convinced. Yeah, you know, Marquez. 
he's not playing regularly for Barcelona no. anymore. When he has played, he's looked really slow. I mean, he was never the, the quickest of defenders anyway, but he's certainly got the experience, but he's not playing regularly enough, and that, that would concern me. Um, when you've got the likes of Forlan and Anelka um, running him, and even Pienaar South Africa, and Benny McCarthy, if he comes back, you know, I think they could all trouble Mexico at the back. Trev, any, any player that you're excited about seeing? Well, um, I don't know. Pinar, Vela and Forlan are certainly the ones to watch. Um, but uh, in terms of Benny McCarthy, you mentioned there, I mean, he's been terrible at West Ham. Like, he's yeah. had nine, ten appearances and looked really, really out of shape, really overweight. And if he's their sort of, you know, lead striker, they're going to struggle to score. You know, we mentioned Pinar and he's been brilliant at Everton and he is the one shining light they've got and he's going to have to play out of his skin to, to get South Africa out of that group. Mm. And there's, it's, there's still 50 days for McCarthy to retire again. And he's, he has retired and come back more times than John Farnham. So. <laughs> Replace Mexico with Australia. Do you see the Socceroos getting out of this group? Have they got an easier ride if they were in Group A than they if they were in Group D, which they're in at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. Because I, I think Australia could easily beat South Africa. They'll be well up for the Uruguay game. And to be honest, I think they'll give France a hard time. I think that's a yeah, that's a far easier group than what Australia have got. Yeah, Andy, you're not so sure. No, I just, I, I just, I think that, that all of those sides could definitely hurt Socceroos. You certainly, I wouldn't want to be playing South Africa opening game, which is what Mexico have got yeah, them. Yeah. Um, and also, I just think that underdog suits the Socceroos. It's the way they play. It's you know, I, don't, I, I think you know when they go into tournaments, you know, as like the Asian Cup with that. Right, we should win this. You know, that, there's that expectation from the crowd. I think the underdog tag suits the Socceroos, and I don't think they would necessarily be as big an underdog in this group. And I think that would, you know, potentially inhibit them. Now, the winners of uh, this group, or the two teams that come out of this group, play uh, the, the, the teams coming out of Group B: Argentina, Nigeria, South Korea, and Greece. Really, don't want to be coming second in this group, do you? And facing off against Argentina. Potentially, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Group B more next week, but that's a fascinating group because I think any of those could go through. I think there'll be a few teams that people won't fancy South Korea, but they're a decent side. Greece have, have gone slightly more back to how they were when they won the Euros, going to be dangerous set pieces. But yeah, I, I think you're going to want to try and get through at the top here because you don't want to meet at Argentina straight away. You, you want a bit more of a easy ride until the later stages. Mm. Uh, Uruguay-Argentina would be quite a tasty second round game. Yeah, definitely. So putting you on the spot, guys, who do you see the, the top two? Who do you see going through out of Group A? Um, I, I think France-Mexico are the two favourite teams. Um, I do In think that order? I think so, yeah. I, I think France will do just enough. I don't think they'll really impress. I don't think they'll get there and all of a sudden hit, hit the ground running. I mean, France are going to have a good World Cup, which I don't think they'll make you know, the semis or anything like that, I think they'll start slowly in the group stages and, and sort of stumble their way through. But there won't be a lot between top and bottom. It's a, it's a tough group to call, as it should be at this stage. Andy? I think France and Uruguay. Okay. I, think, I think, yeah, I think Mexico's case has been a little bit overstated. Um, I, think, I think Uruguay, you know, you look at a group of Uruguayan players like Lugano, like Forlan, this is their last World Cup. You know, so I think it, it, I think they'll go out there and and do enough. So I think France and Uruguay will progress. All right, I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to say Uruguay, South Africa. Ooh. I see South Africa beating France in that final game. 
buoyed by needing a, a result <coughs> and a you really town. have gone out on a limb there yeah. thinking I'm, that just, South you know, I'm, I'm just not impressed by France that much and as you said they're, they're, they've been a bit underwhelming and uh, um, maybe they were, they'll revert to the cheese eating surrender monkeys that they are and uh, um, be seen off by South Africa in that final game but that's just my thoughts anyway hmm. um, that was Group A that was the first section of uh, 442's World Cup Insider. Next week we'll be looking at Group... What's after A? B. Yeah, anyway, whatever the next group is. Group B. And uh, we will continue the coverage from there. Join us after the break, where we'll be previewing all the games on the weekend. Join us then. Love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch? Well, listen up, because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sports got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast and we were all getting excited off air, weren't we, about the run in and we thought we'd better start taping and talking about it because it's, uh, it's an exciting time in the, in the English Premier League. Saturday's games see the the big standout games: Arsenal against Manchester City, uh, Man United against Tottenham, and then we Villa will Blues. yeah we will say this just because of Andy um, Aston Villa against Birmingham Second City Derby. But um, Trev, you mentioned that that really when you look at the table, Aston Villa are, are by no means out of the run for for fourth spot because everyone's got to play each other, haven't they? Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm sure Andy will expand on it as well. But I thought Villa was slightly out of it. And I didn't realise that a couple of back-to-back wins at a game in hand, and now they're they're back in the thick of it with City having to go away to Arsenal and Tottenham to go away to Man U. That you know they're they're two tough games, and you expect Villa to turn over Birmingham, and then that race for fourth is open again. Everyone's talked about it being a two-horse race in recent weeks, just being Tottenham Man U, but Villa is certainly there or thereabouts. You agree? Yeah, I mean it's a long shot. I mean I did the old BBC predictor thing yesterday, so I was getting a bit excited again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I still, I still had Spurs finishing in fourth. You know, Spurs have got, a, you know, to to not finish fourth, they've got to lose at Man United, lose at, you know, lose at Man City. Um, I don't know if they'll do that. It's quite possible though. Um, you know, Man City's key is obviously that they 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 got to go to Arsenal on Saturday, but then their next two games are Villa and Spurs. Hmm. So how they do, and both of those are at home. I think, yeah. So it's how they do on those two home games that will determine, you know, arguably you could say it's Man City's for the taking because they win those two home games, then that's pretty much, you know, that'll yeah. pretty much get them fourth place. Um, so, yeah, but it's great. I mean, it's great. That, you know, there's still only a point at the top. There's three points, you know, five points between um, fourth and seventh and it's still pretty tight at the bottom, eh, Trev? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's all, all happening in the bottom. Um, big, big result for West Ham this morning, seeing Hull lose and, the sounds like they, they weren't that impressive, but Hull have got a really winnable game at the weekend. Sunderland, Sunderland are terrible away from home. Mm. West Ham have got Wigan, and I've got a feeling that might be a draw, and I can see Hull winning. So there might only be a point in it going into the last couple of games. So it's far from over. It's just who can be less rubbish going into the last few weeks. There's got to be some guy who puts the fixtures together, some stat nerd giving himself a high five into his mirror, hasn't he? Like because. 
this is a it's a really good run in and maybe it's been enhanced by the fact that there's no English teams in Europe uh, except for Fulham um, and Liverpool but in terms of fourth I'd rather see Tottenham or Aston Villa get it and the reason is because I think City are going to go out and spend a load of money in the summer and almost secure you know try and secure fourth you know, with the amount of money they've got. But I think if one of those two made it into the Champions League, like we were saying in the office the other day, it opens up a whole other raft of players that are willing to come to your club. Yeah. Providing they back it financially, then you can sort of, you know, get moving and become a bigger club just from that one qualification. But also, I think, you know, they've spent nearly £200 million as it is. And as we've seen with Real Madrid, you know, if they go out and, you know, bring three or four even better players, then that means that the there'll be three or four other players surplus to requirements there that will probably end up at the other chasing teams. And as we've seen with Real Madrid, you know, offloading Schneider and Iron Robin has arguably, you know, benefited Bayern Munich and Inter Milan, who are now both in the semi-finals of the Champions League. You know, mm. so the, the question mark would be, well, OK, if they do get fourth and be that in, who does that free up to move to other clubs? You know, so... Um, and obviously, there's, there's all, the, the speculation's already started with Man City now looking at James Milner... Um, you know, apparently Real Madrid are looking at Ashley Young. I don't know what for, ball boy, after some of his performances <laughs> this season. But, um, but yeah, big game for us on Sunday, um, home to Blues. It's always great because they always play it in April for some reason. And it's always a Sunday and it's always midday. So the clocks have gone back here. So it's nine o'clock in the evening, mm-hmm. Sunday, bank holiday Monday. Lovely jubbly. Where do you see that one going? Oh, you can't tight. really call that oh, one, can you? It's hate, too hard to. I hate Villa Blues guys because they're so tense. And uh, the whole of my street knows when it's Villa Blues because it's the one where I genuinely cannot control myself. Do you have a bet on it or is it too tight? I will have a bet on it, yeah. yeah. Um, generally, I, I have a bet on a ridiculous. I'm going to go for 4 0 on Sunday. Cause... <laughs> if there's a market, bet on it. That's always my, my yeah. approach. How do you see it as a neutral Aston Villa Birmingham? Or do you really care? No, I, don't, I didn't really realise it was a rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I've got to say, it is one of the nastiest yeah, rivalries. No. You know, it is not a particularly nice game to go to. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not, I can remember going, I've been to a fair few in my time and it's, it's, there's always trouble. No one wears colours. Everyone sounds the same. <laughs> the enemy within yeah yeah um looking at some of the other games arsenal man city do you where do you see that one going i mean city arguably have more to play for but arsenal will be playing for pride and you know the, the way that wenger kind of turned on his players after their loss against v- vegan what was i going to say it sounds like it's a german <laughs> uh, when they played vegan um arsene wenger um you know arsenal will be playing for for a bit more than don't you think? Maybe, but they've just they've haven't got a great amount of squad depth. They've got a load of injuries. They're in free fall. Um, I think they might do enough to get a point against City, but I, I don't think Arsenal will win that. No, I should I should be with that that cheer for Arsenal as I think a lot of people will be. Mm. Um, you know, Arsenal need to win that to keep the race for fourth as open as possible. I think. But Man United, Tottenham. Do you see Tottenham going to Old Trafford and getting anything? Is the magical treble on? In a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reading about some punter in the UK. There's like 30 grand on it or something. Yeah. It was only 15 to 1 or something to do all three games, which I thought was really short odds. Not great. Um, I mean, they've certainly got momentum and they they won't be short on confidence. And and the thing is with Man United is is that 
you know, which is what Man City didn't do, is they have looked vulnerable when teams have gone at them, when teams haven't sort of just sat back and gone, we'll, we'll try and contain this. When teams have actually gone at Man United, you know, as, as Bayern Munich did uh, in that second half, when they really came out, when they got their goals for half-time, came out and put United under pressure, um, they've cracked, you know, and so I, I think Spurs can go there and, and have a real go at it. Yeah, yeah. Trev? I think so, yeah. The, the Man U team isn't the Man U team we've got used to watching over the years. They don't. There's no... That midfield doesn't excite me in the way that when they used to have, you know, Beckham, Giggs, Scholes and Keane in there. And, you know, hopefully Rooney will be back to, to some of his best rather than having to watch Berbatov trudge around. But, um, yeah, I think Man U might edge it, but only just is still a good chance for a draw. Probably go Man U by, by a single goal. Yeah. And uh, probably the only game that has any impact directly on the on the relegation battle is uh, involving your boys, West Ham and Viggen. Massive game. Each other. Yeah, huge, huge game. And especially as I was saying, I think Hull oh, are going to win. So I'm just a bit concerned that Wigan, after grabbing three goals in the last 10 minutes against Arsenal, are going to come, you know, boy. That viewer's choice as well. That no, I don't. Is that the main one? I think it might be the main one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch it live when really? I get to this stage of the season, and it's important. It's normal, one, I have to watch it live. I can't watch the recording, so it's not a bad little run though. Because obviously, I watched Man U Tottenham before, then straight into the glamour of West Ham Wigan straight after <laughs> it. But. And finally, um, the one other game that seems to jump out: Everton Fulham. Obviously, because the Australian connection, Mark Schwarzer and uh, yeah, T- Kale has been on fire. Everton um, looking for a European spot, but I think fourth is is definitely out the uh, the, the question for them. But um, you know, should be a should be a decent game. Last thing we want to see is or one on one with Tim crunching into uh, yeah, oh, no, to Schwarzer. Do not say that <laughs> in the ninetieth minute. It's Ch- Chelsea Stoke as well, which is also important for for the title race. But I imagine Chelsea shouldn't have a problem. There. Yeah, three games to go for probably Australia's two. Most critical players, you'd say. Yeah. Kale to score the goals and Schwartz to keep them out. So, fingers crossed that they have three uneventful games and the and report fitting well. Evan have got to go away to Stoke the other week, so they might get stuck into them. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we got for in this section and for this podcast. Uh, it looks like there's going to be... Got a bit of flood. There's yoga there. What, <laughs> what happened? It's all Can't... the time we've got for. Time we have is all up. Yeah, um, podcast over now is <laughs> well they've said it now so uh, thank, thanks for listening and uh, join us next week where we'll be chatting more about football cheers 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services